Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Austin Miles with V-Bar Livestock in Whitesboro, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the summer drought took a big toll on many Texas cattle producers. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's one part of Texas where cotton could be losing some acres in the years to come. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about the future of cotton in the northern panhandle. The impact of the U.S. corn stocks inventory on the cattle industry. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments once again today from the CEO of Cattle Facts on Texas Ag Today. The fall armyworm is a common pest of Bermuda grass and many other crops in north and central Texas. Given their immense appetite, great numbers, and marching ability, fall armyworms can damage entire fields in a few days. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Well, 2023 started out great for most farmers and ranchers here in Texas, but it quickly turned sour as a summer drought tightened its grip across our state. Scott Morris of Sunset Angus Farms in the Texas Panhandle says this was one of his worst summers ever. But some failed milo fields helped him get through it. Well, there was a lot of anxiety. I mean, it's really hard to starve a profit into anything. And the drought required a lot of hay to be purchased to retain the cow herd. And, of course, with the trucking on that hay, getting it in and all the other costs of production were so extreme. I mean, I have never built so much electric fence and hauled so much water to cows in my life. I mean, we'd graze one deal off and we'd go to another. But that was awesome that we had, I guess not for those people that had the Milo that had failed, but for us that was awesome to be able to move to those locations and utilize that rather mm-hmm. than having to buy more hay and pay the trucking on that. But even with that help, Morris still had to destock. We sold about a third of our cow herd. I know there were some that completely sold out and some that half their herd was gone. And But we moved a third, I guess, with all the 
shuffling around we did with the cows, and we were able to hang on to them. And when you're in the seed stock business, Mara says it is hard to watch those genetics that you've worked so hard to build up leave the ranch in a trailer. When will we finally see a bottom in wheat prices? Oklahoma State wheat marketing specialist Kim Anderson says he thinks the bottom is near. I personally think that the wheat market is near the bottom. Uh, you look at uh, wheat stocks, they're relatively tight. We've got below average any stocks, both in the world and in the United States. Our average price for wheat's around $5.70, $5.80. Our current cash price is up just above $6. So we're right now just a little bit above average. And with the, with the stock situation, I think we possibly should be a little higher than that. But again, Russia's putting a lot of wheat on the market, and that is creating some inconsistencies in the market. So I think we're near the bottom. I've been wrong before. Anderson's best wheat marketing advice right now is to figure up your cost of production. Then watch that new crop July contract closely. If there's an opportunity to lock in a profit over the next few months, pull the trigger on it. There is one part of Texas where cotton may be losing some acres in the years to come. James Hunt takes a look at the future of cotton in the northern Texas panhandle. As we've discussed more than a few times already, this has been another tough year for cotton here in the Texas High Plains. And local agronomist Russell French has been hearing from some discouraged producers who appear to be ready to quit the cotton game. You get north of Amarillo, a lot of people are getting kind of frustrated with cotton. And I hear more and more people thinking wheat, corn, sorghum rotations are going to become more popular up here. I know some people have already sold some cotton harvesting equipment and are getting out of it. You know, I think south Amarillo and the South Plains is still going to be you know, a viable crop and everybody's going to plant it. But getting north of Amarillo here, growers are starting to say, I think I got some better options. While it's true that our prolonged stretch of hot, dry weather in the summer took a heavy toll on cotton throughout the Texas High Plains, many producers in the northern panhandle never got their season started, as heavy rains in the spring prevented a lot of their acres from even getting planted. But apparently it's not just this season's experience that has caused the frustration French describes. One big issue is temperatures. French says in a lot of seasons, the northern panhandle simply does not get enough heat units. If we have a cool, wet summer, you know, the cotton lags behind the maturity and, and then it's just hard to, to make good yields up here. You know, I mean, cotton seed companies are working on shorter maturing varieties and that could help us. So, you know, I'm not saying there is no hope up here, but I'm just saying uh, when growers look at the economics of growing cotton, they're not as favorable right now as they are for coarse grains like corn and sorghum. And our region's livestock industry certainly provides a strong local customer base for those grain crops. Russell French owns French Agronomics in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The cattle and corn markets have a very close relationship. Tom Nicoletti has more from the recent Texas Cattle Feeders Association annual meeting. My guest again today is Randy Block, CEO of Cattle Facts. He addresses how the increase in corn stocks across the nation in 2023 will affect the U.S. cattle industry moving forward into 2024. Well, we are seeing the, the grain prices come down. We've seen grain futures drop about $2 a bushel in here in the last year. 
We've seen the corn basis drop about a dollar a bushel. So, I mean, we're talking about a substantial shift in in the cost of gain on cattle going into feed yards. You know, in the last year, we've had a lot of cattle that have had feed cost of gains that would approach a dollar thirty-five to a dollar forty-five to put on a pound of gain. And and it looks to me like as we look at 2024, as I size up the size of the crop we'll be looking at costs again somewhere between a dollar ten and a dollar fifteen u.s wide one point you emphasize in the industry uh, the cattle upswings usually uh, are uh, in five-year increments while the the downswings are in six years well most of the cattle cycles as we look at them here over the course of the last 60 years they're 10 to 11 year cattle cycles and the up part of the cattle cycle lasts five years, and the down part of that cattle cycle lasts five to six years. So, again, our lows came in 2020. I would suspect that the, we'll have most of it priced in. Not that we'll be have the herd rebuilt, but the markets will tend to price that in before uh, all the rebuilding process has taken place. That is CattleFax CEO Randy Block. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The fall armyworm is a common pest in Bermuda grass and other crops in north and central Texas. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson looks at the damage armyworms can do. Fall armyworm outbreaks in pastures and hayfields often occur following rainfall. Hayfields with a dense canopy and vigorous growth are often more susceptible to armyworm infestations than less fertilized fields. Irrigated fields are also susceptible to infestations, especially during drought conditions. Look for fall armyworms feeding in the crop canopy during the late evening and early morning and during cool, cloudy weather. During hot days, look for armyworms low in the canopy and on the soil surface where they hide under loose soil and fallen leaves. When fields are wet with dew, armyworms can stick on rubber boots while walking through the field. The key to managing fall armyworms is frequent inspection of fields to detect infestations. Once larvae are more than three quarters of an inch long, the quantity of foliage they eat increases dramatically. During their final two to three days of feeding, armyworms consume 80% of their total diet. The density of armyworms sufficient to justify insecticide treatment depends on the stage of crop growth and the value of the crop. Seedling plants can tolerate fewer armyworms than well-established plants. Infestations of more than two to three armyworms that are half an inch or longer per square foot may justify an insecticide application. If practical, apply insecticides early in the morning or late in the evening when armyworm larvae are most active and therefore most likely to encounter the insecticide spray. If the field is near harvest, an early harvest rather than insecticide treatment is an option. Once the field is cut, most of the armyworms will die due to lack of food and exposure to higher temperatures. In some cases, armyworms can move into an adjacent field and continue to feed. If using insecticides to control fall armyworms, remember to always read and follow label instructions. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. Some of the best goose hunting in the nation is right here in Texas. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll tell you where coming up on Texas Ag Today. And sheep and goat pox is not currently found in the United States. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Sheep and goat pox is not found in the United States at this time, but Dr. Bob Judd says we do have diseases with similar symptoms. Sheep and goat pox causes skin papules, nodules, pustules, and usually affects the head and genital regions. The veterinarians at Colorado State indicate diseases in the United States with similar symptoms include contagious eczema, also called OR for sore mouth, ulcerative dermatosis, blue tongue, and dermatophilus or rain scald. Contagious eczema causes pustules, vesicles, and papules that are painful and can cause kids and lambs to not nurse and become lame. Also, dams with affected teats may not allow the babies to nurse due to pain. Lesions usually occur at mucocutaneous junctions, but can also occur in the genital areas and feet. The disease is very contagious, as the name suggests, but almost all animals survive with supported care. Ulcerative dermatosis occurs on the legs and genitalia that can lead to lameness in sheep are susceptible, but not goats. Supportive care is required, and 20 to 80% of infected animals can die. Blue tongue in European fine wool sheep can be a serious disease causing fever, lameness, and pain, and some animals will not survive. The tongue can sometimes have a bluish tint due to lack of oxygen. The disease can affect goats and cattle, but usually the disease is not as severe in sheep. All of the previous diseases I discussed have been viral, but there is one bacterial disease called dermatophilus that can cause infection or on the skin with thick crust. Lesions usually occur on the head and legs and dorsal back, and it is a bacterial disease, and antibiotics are required for treatment. Since these skin diseases are similar, contact your veterinarian for an accurate diagnosis. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Some of the best goose hunting in the nation is right here in Texas. Jessica Dommel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. If you plan on hunting geese when the season opens in early November, there are a few bright spots in the state where you may have better chances of bagging one. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says geese are attracted to agricultural fields. Corn, wheat, milo, peanuts, and rice. 
taking advantage of that agricultural resource on the ground, wherever they can find water next to those food sources they see, that's where they're going to be. There are a few areas that will have better geese availability than others. There's a couple places that are just kind of been standouts in the state of Texas, especially for dark geese, dark geese being in Canada and their subspecies and, and white-fronted geese, people known as speculative geese. There's an area north of Abilene and Haskell County that is kind of become one of the finest goose hunting spots in all of North America, especially for speculabilities. When they have water, there's a bunch of peanuts and other crop fields there that are very attractive to them. And then for the, the, the cackling goose, the Texas high plains and the playas, you know, that's intermixed around corn and wheat and milo. And those are the two real, real hot spots. Cry says, although white-fronted geese are doing okay continentally, we are counting the fewest we've ever counted in the state of Texas. The light and dark geese hunting season opens in both the east and the west zones November 4th. In the west zone, the dark geese bag limit is five birds with no more than two white-fronted. The light geese limit is 10 birds in the aggregate. In the east zone, dark geese limit is five birds with no more than two white-fronted. The light geese limit is 10 birds in the aggregate. The light geese conservation order opens in the west zone February 5th. In the east zone, it opens January 29th. Be sure to check this year's outdoor annual for full hunting regulations. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. That's right, and there's a huge digital divide in our state. There are still large parts of rural Texas that have little to no access to high-speed internet. I'm State Representative Dwayne Burns. And I'm State Representative Trent Ashby. We're here to ask you to vote for Proposition 1 and Proposition 8. I wrote Prop 1 to protect your right to farm and ranch. It will prevent the abuse of regulatory power, protect the backbone of our rural economy, and ensure safe and affordable food for all Texans. And I wrote Proposition 8, which will create the Broadband Infrastructure Fund to address important upgrades for public safety and provide resources for broadband access in rural hospitals and schools. Let's head to the polls November 7th and vote for Prop 1 and Prop 8. Political advertising paid for by Texas Farm Bureau and Texas Broadband Now PAC. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex was mixed Wednesday with live cattle trading higher and feeder cattle trading lower. October live cattle rose 22 cents to 185.72. December live cattle up 32 cents to 187.20. February live cattle up 7 cents to 191.07. Feeder cattle traded lower Wednesday as corn traded higher. October feeder cattle down a dollar sixty-seven to two forty-seven twelve. November feeder cattle down seventy-two cents to two forty-nine seventy-two. January twenty twenty-four feeder cattle down a dollar ninety to two fifty ninety. 
Boxed beef was higher, choice up 38 cents to $305.52, select up 36 cents to $278.99. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock, sells them in Three Rivers every Monday. Riley, how was the last one? I had a good sale today, Larry. market was a little better on the calves, especially lightweight calves. Uh, bigger uh, yearling cattle were a little bit higher as well. Uh, they did take some money off of Packer cows this week. It's kind of been up and down the last couple of weeks, but uh, they were a little cheaper. Ended up with 1,282 head. Uh, had a few decent pairs today, uh, brought from 950 up to 1750. Uh, the bread cows from 825 to 1375. Uh, Packer cows, I quoted them 4 to 6 lower this week, uh, 94 to $1.02 on your high yield. Cows 88 to 96 on your breakers, 44 to 72 on your canners. Uh, Packer bulls also a little bit cheaper, 108 to 116 on your high yielding bulls, uh, 94 to 108 on your low to medium yielding bulls. Uh, the lightweight calves, like I said, they were higher today. I quoted them six to eight higher. Uh, 260, uh, your two to three weight choice steers, 266 to 306. Heifer mates 240 to 282. Three to four weight choice steers, 252 to 304. Heifer mates 224 to 268. Four to five weight choice steers, 244 to 298. Heifer mates 224 to 262. Five to six weight choice steers, 238 to 278. Heifer mates 214 to 254. Uh, the yearling cattle, beer cattle, also a little bit higher today. The six to seven weight choice steers, 226 to 242. Heifer mates 212 to 228. Seven to eight weight choice steers, 214 to 232. Heifer mates 198 to 218. So got along pretty good. I was real pleased with the sale today. This uh, looks like maybe they're after the rain. Uh, last couple of weeks, they're starting to try to buy these lightweight calves for winter grazing again. So uh, made the market pretty good today. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. 361-813-6650 is the sale. 361 2553 is the office, liveoaklivestock.com is the web. And just want to remind everybody, we'll have about 300 uh, replacement uh, heifers and cows and few pairs uh, next Monday. Good deal. We've been telling everybody about it. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Larry. And, neighbor, we'll continue to tell you about the livestock markets all over Texas on this program, Walking the Pins on this network, the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. And on this program, you're listening to right this second. It's called Texas Ag Today. Good day. December lean hogs on Wednesday rose 47 cents to 68.02. February lean hogs up 25 cents to 72.30. Block cheese rose 5.75 cents Wednesday to $1.76. Barrel cheese up 3.75 cents to $1.68. We saw dry weigh increase 1.5 cents. That provided some support to Class 3 milk. October Class 3 milk was even at 16.82 a hundred weight. November Class 3 milk up 67 cents to 18.50 a hundred weight. After triple-digit losses on Tuesday, cotton trade corrected a bit on Wednesday. December cotton up 101 points to 84.24. March cotton up 82 points to 86.25. May cotton up 62 points to 87.41. Corn traded higher Wednesday, supported by soy trading higher, and due to crude oil trading higher. News that China's GDP estimate is better than expected may have also helped support corn trade Wednesday. December corn up three to 4.92. March corn up two and three quarters to 5.06 and a half. May corn up three and a quarter to 5.14 and a half. December hard red wheat up three and three quarters to 6.70 and a half. March hard red wheat up three and a quarter to 6.79. May hard red wheat up three to 6.84 and a half. Supported by the strength of soybean meal, soybeans traded higher Wednesday. November soybeans up 14 and a quarter to 13.11. November natural gas down three cents to 3.04. December natural gas down a penny to 3.45. 
November crude oil up a dollar ninety-eight to eighty-eight sixty-four a barrel. December crude oil up two dollars and twelve cents to eighty-seven fifty-six a barrel. Reuters says that those increases could be due to a bigger than expected decline in U.S. crude stocks and potential for tensions in the Middle East to disrupt oil supplies. The Dow fell 223 points Wednesday to 33,774. The S&P 500 down 45 points to 4,327. The Nasdaq down 176 points to 13,357. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.